Welcome to the Radical Christian Life with Doug and Paula. We're so excited as we discuss what it looks like to live the radical Christian life, following Jesus no matter the call, no matter the cost. Yeah, so let's get to it. Well, we're so excited today because we're going to talk about one of our favorite subjects, and it's all about theology. Yay. Oh, theology. <laughs> you love it. I, I I do love theology, but I think a lot of people use that word. It's like that Christian word that we're like, what does that actually mean? Yeah, it is. And so going back to your basic, um, ed- what do you call it when you study a word? I don't even etymology? know. Etymology? Yeah, etymology. There you go. Mm. So I, <laughs> we work together. <laughs> yeah, theology. because I'm a word nerd. Yeah, so exactly. I know ology, anytime you have ology on there, the study of or the science of, and this is the science or the study of God. And it's such an all-encompassing thing. So you hear sometimes people talk about theology proper if you're just going to talk about God, and they'll use theology about all branches of anything to do with the supernatural, like Christology, the do- the study of Jesus, mm. and, and that. So, But we're going to go into more theology proper today. Oh, yes. I, I know. I knew Sounds that very serious. Because exactly. so, <laughs> we have really have a great question that I think applies to every Christian that we meet. We do. I don't think that I've actually really ever met a Christian that hasn't had this question. And it's a, it was sent to us very recently, which means you can send in your questions and we see them. And it was very recent uh, from a person serving in our military here in the United States. And this is what they said. Explain the Trinity. Is it three in one? That's how it's always been explained to me, but I just can't seem to make that make sense. Isn't God one? But then if he is one, how is Jesus God and his son? If Jesus is God, then who is he speaking to in heaven? Himself? I just don't understand it, to be honest. And I was raised in this, but as my son gets older and asks questions, I find myself not being able to explain with good answers because I myself don't fully understand it. Yeah, that's wow. Who can relate to that? Yeah, that's yeah. a big question. Yeah, and if you have the Trinity figured out, then I would ask you to ask other people about their view of the Trinity, <laughs> like we do. Like, hey, explain the Trinity to me, and the blank stares that you get, mm. or the confused answers, or literally sometimes I'd say, eh, "Sorry, that's actually heretical and was condemned <laughs> by the councils <laughs> two thousand years ago." Yeah, but hey, you know, you could try. But yeah. you know, we were all there once. Yes, when we were new believers, even if we grew up in the faith, um, you and I didn't. But you know, at some point, we were like, "What? What does this actually mean?" Yes, and. And if it's been explained to us, and if you learned, we under there is one God, the classic definition, there is one God who exists eternally in three persons, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Mm. And that's great, but there's one problem. And when I'm in a classroom teaching this, I always say, well, John's a person, and Sarah's a person, and Kayla's a person. One, two, three, how are they one? So how can three persons that we, I'm looking at three persons, how can they be one person? And well, they're not one person, so that's that's where you get into uh, illogical definitions of the Trinity. He's one God and three gods. Well, no, that's that's heresy. He's one person and three persons. No, that's heresy. He's one eternal being and three persons. That's not a contradiction. Now, it's beyond our pay grade to understand that. But yeah, it's deep. Yes, it deep. is. But but I, I get real passionate, so hopefully this isn't a six-part episode because I may go <laughs> off. Because let's face it, our world was rocked about this because when we set out years ago to be missionaries and we were going into a Muslim context and, and 
we were being trained. And when you speak to a Muslim, don't talk about the Trinity because it's confusing. It doesn't make sense. This was part of our training and what was communicated to us. Yeah. And so basically try and avoid that topic. And and we did. And and then I realized, why? This is who our God is. Am I embarrassed Mm -hmm. by it? Is it so confusing? Yeah, this is an essential thing of our faith. This isn't like one of those side issues. This is a pretty big issue. Yeah, exactly. And you know, any Muslim, any Jehovah Witness, any of those oneness Pentecostals, everyone attacks the idea of the Trinity as, as absurd. And, and so, so many times Christians just default of, well, it's illogical, but I just believe it. And that's horrible theology. So it set me on a path and, and you and I then started studying going, okay, what is the Trinity? And is it illogical? Can we explain it? And, it's the exact opposite. I literally now look for people to talk about the training. <laughs> yeah, because do. it not only makes you sense. You like accost them on the street. Yeah, exactly. No, What's your view on the Trinity? <laughs> <laughs> Tell me, yeah. yeah. No, but it's our God, and I want to explain and help people understand who our God is. And so uh, that's what we want to do in today's podcast. I think it's a great question. I'm so glad they asked it and it came in. Yeah. Because now it gives us a chance to help everyone understand who our awesome God is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm going to let you dive right in with that because you are the resonant theologian at this table. Well, <laughs> I don't, I don't know. Somebody actually who listened to the podcast was so amazed at how smart you are. <laughs> I, love, I thought it was the most backhanded compliment the you've ever irony received. Of that is they've known me for quite a few years. So I thought, wow. Well, great. and I love that because yeah, they've never heard had an opportunity to sit and talk and, with you on theological topics and stuff. And I love that because people think you have to have the degrees to understand theology or to to, to dive into well, the I word of God. Do have a degree, but yeah. <laughs> that's a different story. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Okay. But. You don't need a degree yes. to do that. You yeah. you need a love for God and His Word. That's all you need. Then uh, give me a little prayer uh, today and help me to repair my damage in <laughs> my life by insulting her degree. So sorry about no, that, honey. It's yes, all yeah. good. It's <laughs> all right. good. Well, I mean, so what I love to just say is, okay, let's let's go back to the early church. So Jesus is resurrected. He's ascended into heaven. He's poured out His Holy Spirit, and now these disciples are getting together, and they meet in Jerusalem, and they say, listen, guys, let's come up with the most absurd idea we can think of, okay? <laughs> let's say that there's just one God, but that the God of the Old Testament Father is God, and and then that Jesus came in the New Testament, and he's God, and then they pulled out the Holy Spirit later on, and he's God, and these three are going to become one God, but they're three completely separate beings. And so let's let's come up with this idea that no one's going to believe, and, and, and it's absurd, and, and let's die for it. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I mean, that's almost how we think the Trinity came about. It's just some absurd, absurd idea that these guys yeah. just started preaching. And and no, because it's true. And the yes. Bible, you can't get away from it. And, and I love to say it. If you don't want to believe the Bible, that, that's between you and the Lord. But the Bible clearly teaches the triune essence of our God. And I'll explain more about using that word triune or the Trinity, and we'll define it. But the Bible clearly says that God, our Father, God, our Father, there is the Father, God, and, and, and Jesus prayed to him. Yeah. So, so there's God, the Father, but then Jesus clearly calls himself God. Jesus says, I, when he's famous, uh, John eight fifty eight when he says, I am identifying with the God of the Old Testament, 
and behave before that Abraham didn't was go back. over so well with the people around him, did it? Yeah, and some people try <laughs> to explain that away. Well, he was just identifying kind of with Abraham and stuff. Well, no, they picked up stones to 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 kill him because he blasphemed, making himself out to be God. Same when he said, I and the Father are one. They got upset because they realized he was making himself equal with God. Mm-hmm. His followers clearly called Jesus God. And so many passages, we can go to Philippians 2, Colossians 1. There's so many passages that support the deity of Jesus Christ. John 1, 1 through 14 is probably one of the best ones. But So now we have God the Father and God the Son, we well, might as well throw the Holy Spirit in there too. Just <laughs> uh, uh, <laughs> yeah, we just can't have duality. Yeah, yeah, the, exactly. Yeah. Well, but because why did why do we call the Holy Spirit God? Well, one, what's He doing at the beginning of creation? I mean, He's mentioned from the very beginning yeah, of creation, right in Genesis one. Yes, isn't he? exactly. And then uh, Acts uh, is one of the clearest. Acts five when Peter says you've lied to God, and then he goes on to say you've lied to the Holy Spirit, equating. Um, the uh, Holy Spirit with God. And then there's Mm -hmm. other places, and we'll explain these later, where the Holy Spirit is put into the triune formula with the Father and the Son. So the Bible clearly affirms that the Father is God, the Son is God, and the Holy Spirit is God. And yet the Bible continually says there is one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord your God. The Lord is our God. The Lord is one. Mm. And so how... Um, the Trinity came about is because they looked at the scriptures and said, the Father is God, the Son is God, the Spirit is God, and there was one God. Mm. And so, there you go. There's your answer. And But there's clear verses, Paul. You know, you can probably say some of them, but uh, there are clear verses that talk about the Trinity. Yeah. I mean, the yeah. Great Commission is the great one. It is, Matthew 28. We we look at that and we we tend to do the look at the go and make and all the verbs that are in that that tell us what to do because it's one of Jesus's last commands to his followers. But I found something really interesting there because I am a word nerd. Um, I can't help myself. Um, there's the word name in there. Go and baptize them and, you know, make disciples, blah, 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 um, in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. It's actually singular there, right? Am I right in that? Yeah, well, I was just trying to get over it. It doesn't actually say blah, blah, blah in the scriptures. <laughs> I just want to make sure in case we have some new person who doesn't know the Bible listening. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Thank you for the clarification. <laughs> yeah. But no, you're exactly right. Yeah, baptize them in the name <laughs> yeah, of blah, the Blah, Father blah, blah. Yeah. referring <laughs> to the scripture. I'm not sure that's very, yeah. yeah. But yeah, you nailed it because... Name is singular there, and it should say baptize them in the names, Mm -hmm. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, but name. So one singular with the plurality of Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Yeah, that's a great insight that gives us an idea, and we'll talk more about what the essence of the Trinity is. The other classic one is if you've been to a traditional church, many of them end with Second Corinthians thirteen fourteen with their benediction. Now may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit rest and abide upon each and every one of us until our Savior comes and we shall meet again. Amen. Wow. Is that the voice you use when you <laughs> yeah. preach? Never heard that, that, that. You ever heard my preaching voice? No, usually it squeaks, but <laughs> I try to sound good at the benediction. But yeah, there it is. There's that formula where God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit are all put together in the benediction. Uh, another great one is Matthew 3 at the baptism. I mean, Jesus is baptized. The Holy Spirit comes visible in a dove. Now, the Holy Spirit's not a dove. We see pictures of churches that have the little doves, and it represents the Holy Spirit. He came down in that form, but the Holy Spirit's not a dove. Let's not get crazy here in our theology. And then you hear the voice of the Father. This is my beloved Son in whom I'm well pleased. So you have all three persons of the Trinity present in the baptism. 
Mm. And so uh, th- that's in, those are great passages to just help understand. And then if you look at First Peter one, First uh, Peter chapter one, that's another great passage. Because here, uh, if you look at it, it has the whole um, salvation experience. Actually, even let me go off on it. Just uh, if, I don't have. I don't want to go off on time. Look at Ephesians. Oh no, do it. Okay, come on. There's the rabbit trail we need so to take here. I can first, see it in your eyes. Yes, you're it's ready. There. First Peter, chapter one, verses one and two has the Trinity in the salvation experience. Mm. Now, if you want to expand that more, and here's your homework. I love to give homework. I'm still a <laughs> professor at heart, and I love to watch students uh, squirm when I give them homework. Study Ephesians chapter 1, verses 3 through 14, and you'll see the whole trinity there in the salvation experience. How Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places. Then it talks about in Jesus, in him, we have redemption through his blood. And then it goes on to say how now we've been sealed with the Holy Spirit. Mm. And so you see the, the Trinity in salvation, but you can actually summarize that whole thing in First Peter chapter 1, verse 2 where it talks about who are chosen, us who are chosen in him, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father. So there's God the Father who plans salvation from the beginning by the sanctifying work of the Spirit. It's the Holy Spirit that comes inside of us that makes us new believers to obey Jesus Christ and be sprinkled with his blood because it's the blood of Jesus Christ is the Mm. basis of our salvation. He died for our sins, which is what the gospel says. Wow. Yeah, so the Trinity is important. It's just not some concept that... And you know, as you were speaking, what I was thinking, like this isn't just theology. I mean, theology isn't just head knowledge. It's life knowledge. It's so that we can actually understand like knowing about God and knowing God. I've never really thought about that that passage before like that. Yeah. Yeah. Because if you don't have the Trinity, you really don't have salvation. Yeah. So if if you're out there and you meet a oneness Pentecostal, which we can talk about that in another podcast. Actually, we will do that in another podcast, I think, because we're going to talk about, yeah. Some of the deviations of of classical Christianity, right? Yeah, but one is Pentecostal believes that Jesus is just a manifestation of the Father and the Spirit, and it's one God who's not three persons, not three Mm, separate persons, but it's just one manifestation. It's a heresy that's been condemned for years, but it keeps rearing its ugly head in the church. Yeah, there's nothing new under the sun, is there? Yeah, actually, there's some real famous preachers who, who believe this, and... Because they're dynamic speakers and all that, people follow them, but their theology is horrible. <laughs> it's actually mm-hmm. horrible because you cannot have true salvation without the triune experience of the Father who planned it, the Son who uh, acted upon it, and then the Holy Spirit who seals it for us. Mm-hmm. So That's a mic drop right there. Yeah, I'm yeah, like there that. you go. And you were just driving down the road thinking you're going to listen to a happy, clappy <laughs> podcast. <There you> <laughs> Not with us. <laughs> no. Maybe happy, but not clabby. Yeah. So, so where I where I took a turn, and again, I want to make this very clear. I thought I came up with this. I literally thought I was the smartest person in the history of the church for 2,000 years to, to come up with how you to did? explain you the Trinity. That? Yeah, and then wow. unfortunately I started studying, and it's like, oh, no, this has been around since the early church. But the game-changing verse that rocked my world was Romans chapter 1, verse 20. 
Romans talks about how the wrath of God has been revealed to all creation, <laughs> to all peoples, mm. uh, so that people are without excuse. That's the bottom line. Everyone has an idea of God. Eternity has been set in their heart, mm. according to Ecclesiastes 3.11. But in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, it says, For since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, God's invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature— Look at that. Divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made, so that they are without excuse. Now, people love to talk about how God's attributes, his eternal power, seen through the majesty of creation and, mm. and the expanse, his glory seen the expanse of uh, the universe and, and the power of lightning and thunder. We can see the power of God. And, but it says his divine nature, and that is... Like okay, how is? Can you like unpack that a little bit? What well, does that mean? How does how does that differ? Yeah. Well, okay. That's it's not only his attributes, what's it displayed outside of him, but it's also his internal nature. That's mm. how you talk. I mean, divine nature. Theo, take Theo. Theo. Is that kind of like what I am and what I show? Yes. This is looking at. We can see a little bit of who he is, not only what he does, his eternal power, which is displayed outside of himself, his his eternality, you know, I mean, the Hubble telescope and that are still looking and it's still going because the universe shows the expanse, the ever um, expanding universe. Well, it's a representation of the eternal God. Mm. You're never going to get to the end of God yeah. or you never get to the bigness of God. <laughs> it just keeps <laughs> going. But this is his internal nature. And this is what set me, okay, where does God's divine nature, where is it displayed in creation? And that made, made me start thinking. Now, um, I don't want to. Okay, let's just get to it right here. <laughs> the problem is what for many people, they get stuck on the word Trinity and they get stuck on definitions that humans have made. Mm. Okay, because the Bi word Trinity is not in the Bible, it was first used by Tertullian in the second century in North Africa. And he was, he does, wrote a great treaty on the, the Trinity and explaining it. And it's good. But we use the definition that, he, that, that the church has come up with. And please listen, I'm not a heretic. If you think I am, write me and we can dialogue on it. But I believe in the traditional definition. There is one God who eternally exists in three persons. But if you study the church history, they, they say these Latin words, or we use these uh, Greek words, you know, one usia and three personas. Oh, yeah, I use those all the time. <laughs> but it's, it's the same thing. I mean, okay, if you say it in Latin, you're supposed to all of a sudden, it, it makes sense. Yeah. No, it's the same idea of one eternal being, and he exists in three persons. Now, very careful. Let me warn everyone. Don't say an illogical statement. You cannot have three gods and one God. That is illogical. Mm. You cannot have three persons in one person. That's illogical. It just mm -hmm. doesn't make sense. It's like saying two plus two equals five. But you can have one being in three persons. Mm. See, that's not a contradiction. It's a mystery, yeah. but it's not a contradiction. Still hard to understand. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But what I have found, and others have done this too, so again, I don't want to act too smart here, but I don't use that definition. Because I find out it just confuses people. Mm. When people ask me about the Trinity, I say it is simply unity with diversity. There is mm. one God, unity, who exists as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, which is diversity. And God is unity and diversity, and that's his divine nature, and that is displayed in creation. Yeah. 
I mean, I've heard people sometimes say, well, it's different roles. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm a mom, but I'm also a daughter and, um, I am a wife. Yeah. And that's great. That's called modalism and it's a heresy. Mm. <laughs> yeah. He's not three manifestations or three roles. He's three distinct persons. So when Jesus was praying to the father, he wasn't praying to himself. That's what modalism's problem is. He, mm. if, if God is just three manifestations, then he was praying to himself. But no, he was crying out to the Father. Mm. The, that's, that's rich. Yes. And, and, so, and this comes to play in how we understand the Trinity and why it's not only uh, confusing, it actually makes sense, and it is the superior view of God. Mm. So for you out there who deal with Jehovah Witnesses, or you work with Muslims, or you deal with Oneness Pentecostals, don't take the low road and like, well, it's just a mystery. And take the high road and say, this is who our God is, and your God yeah. is actually absurd. <laughs> now, don't say that and get your head cut off. <laughs> yeah. But, but don't or be offensive. Yeah, but don't, yes, yeah. The yeah. other side is we do have truth. We might not always understand all the nuances of that. Yeah. Um, but we have truth. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So. Now, when I say when it says that his divine nature is displayed in creation and what he has made, where is this idea of unity and diversity displayed in creation? Well, I, I can I jump back a little yeah. bit because I there's a saying that we use a lot, and it helps me kind of understand it. I'm really not that smart, and I love simplicity. Yes, um, we say equal in essence, different in function. Yeah. That really helps me because even when I think about our marriage. And when we talk about the, the, the way that we function within marriage, and yes, we're equal in essence. We, before the Father, we are equal, but yet we, we have a difference in our function, um, in the way that we, we do things, the way that we exhibit things. And does that pertain at all to the Trinity? Yes, and we'll save that for a separate podcast. Oh. that is a very controversial idea within Christendom, especially right now. There's a lot of debate in the evangelical world about understanding how God's triune nature reflects in our relationships. Mm. And I think that would be a great one because, man, be. I love to jump in the fire and take the bullets, and we'll do it with <laughs> that one. So because. You know, we believe in marriage and we believe in God. And so let's see how his nature is reflected in our marriage. Yeah. So that'd be yeah, a fun one. It will. I'm writing it down as we're as we're sitting yeah. here so we don't forget. That's a shameless ploy to get you to keep listening to our podcast <laughs> so you can find that one. But <laughs> going back into this idea of unity and diversity within creation, it's everywhere. I mean, when you start studying this, it will blow your mind. And let's just start with a very big one. The universe itself. We live under, we live in one universe. There is one vast universe that we live in. Unity, one universe. Mm. But what is that universe made up of? Well, there's diversity in it. There's time and space and matter. Mm. Put time, space, and matter together and you have a unity called the universe. Mm. And so right there, just in all of creation, he is displayed in his nature that unity exists with diversity. And then I love yeah. to just break it down into those three things. What is time? You ever thought about time? Yeah. Yeah, I have. Yeah. <laughs> How does it exist? It's past, present, and future. Yeah. There's diversity within the unit of time. Yeah. And same with space. You have height, depth, and width. Some people are like, you know, you have diversity with unity. And it doesn't always have to be a Trinidad. Trinidad? Trinidad? 
Trinidad's a in Tobago. That's a place you go. <laughs> a triad. It doesn't always have to be a three. I'm not trying to make everything like Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. I'm just trying to say there is unity with diversity. Don't go too far because mm-hmm. if you go push it too far, you're starting to explain the mind of God. That, the, that mm. you're like inside God's nature, explaining it. No, no, no. We're just saying how it's reflected in. These creation. are examples, exactly. It? Yeah. And then the last thing that universe is made up of is um, matter. What is matter? Solids, gas, and liquids. So you see this idea of unity and diversity displayed throughout uh, creation. And, yeah. 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 I, Isn't I, it great? I love that. Yeah. It, it blows <laughs> I can see my you're mind. Blown away. <laughs> it is. I've actually taken a class with you um, where you were teaching this, and I remember my head hurt after <laughs> it because I was like, I, wow, that is deep. Yeah. Um, but I, I've heard different illustrations that people use mm-hmm. to define the Trinity. And I would love for you to speak into that a little bit because I used to use these too. Um, you know, like God is an egg, <laughs> you know, he's the yolk and the white and the shell, or uh, God is like water yeah. you know his manifestations you know he's he's the 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 solid he's um the liquid when he goes into steam and when he's frozen he's ice yeah so so you you did a great one right there okay you did a great one because if you're gonna say something say god is like you said so you said i think I'll god is an one. egg you said god is an egg <laughs> don't ever do that okay in the muslim culture we laugh if we work yeah. and talking to muslims and like god is an egg well you just lost him right there you know <laughs> yes. allah is not an egg okay so no god is like his nature is like yeah you might be able to get away with that a little bit <laughs> but no you can so with an egg i like an egg actually because it helps clearly see the unity and diversity. You have one egg, right? I'm holding one egg in front of me. I'm not, but pretend I am. (laughs) One egg, so there's one egg. There's not two eggs, there's one. There's unity. There's one. not two gods, there's one God. But within this egg, there's shell, yolk, and white. So there's diversity that makes up this unity called an egg. And that's an illustration of unity and diversity. It's an illustration of how you can understand the nature of God. Now, water is a little bit more modalistic because the properties aren't separate. It's all the same property, but just manifests itself in different ways. Steam, liquid, solid, you know, if you freeze it and that. That's actually a good illustration of modalism because mm. it's not, there's not separateness in it's, that. Yeah. Oh. Yeah. So you want to be correct. Don't say God is like water or like God is like a father. You'll hear that sometime or a mother. You know, I'm a mother, I'm a wife, you know, I'm a daughter. No, that's manifestations. That's not a good illustration of unity with diversity. Um, So yeah, God is like an egg and uh, (laughs) like an egg. Okay. (laughs) Make sure you use it as a symbolic of that. So I think I think we'll just stop here. Let's we'll go ahead and do a separate episode on this. I don't want to overwhelm people too much in one episode. And I think we have a lot lot to think about. And there's a lot more to flesh out because we want to look at how does this actually apply to our lives? Mm. And why do we have a Mm. superior view of our God is true. These other false religions and their view of God against the Trinity are wrong. And we'll show how clearly how our view of God is true and it is the superior view. And so we should be going out trying to engage in talks about Mm -hmm. the Trinity, not shy away from it. Yeah. So I'm going to end with 2 Corinthians 13. It's the last verse um, in the book of 2 Corinthians, and it's my our prayer over you today. May the grace of the Lord Jesus and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Radical Christian Life with Doug and Paula. 
I think it's at this time we're supposed to do some pitch like hit the subscribe button or donate. But we just want to say, do what you want. We trust way more in the sovereignty of God than in the Christian industrial marketing complex. You just keep living radical for Jesus, and so will we. And let's watch how he blesses us all. We'll see you next time.